1: Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. You know, when I have a large project at home, sometimes it makes sense to do it by myself. At other times, I actually save money in the long term and have a much better solution if I use an expert. It's really not that much different with church planning. Church planners who focus on building their core team and actually planting the church and partner with portability experts like Portable Church Industries, hit the ground running. Yes, you may have to raise more funds up front, but let me tell you something. If I could go back in a time machine and do one thing different in all the churches that I planted, I would go back and have invested that money in Portable Church and all of the super cool kit that they give you to make the volunteers and their lives much, much easier. Trust me, your volunteers will feel invested in, and they're going to give you more of what they got. And that time where people are setting up is going to be a time where it sets the atmosphere for you to thrive. If you're thinking about launching in the next six to 36 months, we encourage you to check them out at PortableChurch.com. Hey, Church Planner, welcome to the podcast. This is Peyton Jones, your host and I have a guest with me today. He works for an organization that I have come to follow over the years since I got back from Europe. They are known as the Upstream Collective. They were founded by uh, Larry, McC- Larry McCrary. We'll do that again. Caleb Crider um, and uh, Sean Badesh. Was he a founding founding member as well? Or was he just with not, you guys?
0: He was not a founder, but he was pretty close to the original days for sure. Well, you know, these guys, they
1: were European missionaries, which got my attention. They had me at Hello. And over the years, um, they have been writing what I consider some of the best material. Uh, for the United States, um, really because it came from a missionary perspective. If you know anything about the missional movement or a lot of the relevant conversations, even questions of cross-cultural missions in the inner city, um, you know, a lot of the ethnicity questions, all those things are really just good old fashioned missionary principles. It's not some new thing. It's not rocket science. It's what missionaries have been putting into practice for years, and the American church is simply rediscovering. And so our our, our focus today is on tradecraft for the Church on Mission. That was an incredible book, but today we're going to talk about a tool that the Upstream Collective has come out with. It's tradecraft for the Church on Mission, the workbook, and my guest today— is an employee of, uh, Upstream Collective. He's a content manager and his name is Zach Radley. So Zach, welcome on to the podcast.
0: Thanks, Faden. Really glad to be here, man. Big fan.
1: Yeah. Well, good, good to have you. So I uh, want to talk about this. You know, it's funny because I, I think that I had, um, way back when Tradecraft came out and the, the podcast was young and, you know, still wearing diapers and, you know, drinking milk. I think we, we, we had one of your cohorts and one of your uh, partners in crime on here. So, um, what I'd like to do today is just have you tell us a little bit. Why, uh, tradecraft? First off, why did that book need to be written? And secondly, why a workbook?
0: Yeah, so the reason Tradecraft needed to be written was probably the same reason that Larry and Caleb felt like Upstream needed to launch. It was this uh, perspective as they worked with short-term team who were coming over from churches um, to Europe. Uh, They they could paint a house and they could uh, do a vacation Bible school, but they didn't know how to do basic missionary tasks uh, like prayer walking and um, exegeting culture. I mean, terms like that would freak would freak them out. And so uh, they just said, you know, we have got to change the paradigm here. We've got to, to fight for missionary skills being a part of basic discipleship.
1: Mm, that and is so, so good, man. And you can't really make a <laughs> disciple unless you take people on mission. Um, people often say, you know, how do I – disciple and you know there's practical answers that question but when i answer that principally i always tell them you know look there's time teaching and tactics tactics are that part where jesus throws the 12 out there he looks at him and says you give him something to eat and the miracle happens through their hands of feeding the five thousand. there were things that he wanted them to do cast out demons and there was just stuff they had to get their hands on and get dirty with and so i love the fact that that's there now um tradecraft um let me, let me just read for our audience some of the chapters. Cause if, if our church planning audience are like me and, uh, some of them are, some of them aren't luckily, but, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the chapters, they make me drool. I, I, I've read the original book. Um, and it, and it always makes me want to read it again when I read these titles. These are chapter titles, thinking oh. like a missionary, chapter one, chapter two, acting like a missionary, chapter three, following the spirit who talks about that right mm. that's just rad number four yeah. mapping and and that's not like it's not like becoming a cartographer that's you know you, you need to read it number five exegeting yeah. the culture six building relationships seven persons apiece eight engaging tribes nine contextualization we know you drop that word church planner at dinner parties just so people think you're rad but you <laughs> don't know what it means you need to read chapter nine Number 10, pursuing alternate paths. And number 11, protecting indigenous. I can't say that word. It refers to in- indigenous indigeneity. <laughs> Did I say it right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I just say indigenous first to get that one. Indigenous yeah. indigeneity? Neity?
0: What mm-hmm. is it? Neity. Teach
1: me. Teach me, sensei.
0: Indigeneity.
1: Indigeneity. Now, we all learned a new. Vocabulary word today. All right. So, so you got that. If you stop listening to the podcast today, now you got a new word to drop. You know, I've been thinking about indigeneity. No, I didn't say it right. Indigeneity. You guys say it right. Yeah. And then that's, that's rad. Then, then people will be like, whoa, we were going to use contextualization, but it's like you just kick someone's butt with a word. That's rad. <laughs> that's a missional word for you. And then number 12, group discussion. So <laughs> anyways, how's that for, uh, for spelling it out? So, that was the original book. What's the workbook? What, why a workbook? Tell me a little bit about that, because this is like a new tool. Why should people get the workbook?
0: Sure. So the original book unpacks so much of these different things, basically taking what is made very common and available to missionaries who are going overseas in the training that they receive and making it accessible to absolutely every single Christian, any Christian. And even you know, it's arguing that every single Christian should have access to these skills, should be a part of their discipleship. And so instead of extracting people out of the local church to go and be the professionals in a missions context overseas, um, we're saying enable people within your church context, all, all of your church members, to be able to do things like follow the Spirit preach the gospel, develop relationships, be an interesting person. Um, And so over the course of the years of tradecraft being so popular with people, we heard um, from readers, please develop a workbook to go with it so that it's not just, hey, let's read a chapter in this uh, uh, church planting um, core team and then discuss it, it's actually like, let's take this chapter and then wrestle with these questions and then go out in the neighborhood and practice it and then come back. And so for years, we worked on this workbook. And honestly, most workbooks are what, like half a centimeter thick. They're really Uh simple. You can try to make them like five bucks. Tell me, thicker
1: than the actual book, isn't it?
0: Oh, by far. (laughs) I mean, it's it's about an inch thick. And it's serious, the size of eight and a half by 11, you know, paper. Uh, it's heavy. And that means it's full of really practical stuff, which is, I mean, what people have come to love about Upstream is that it's it's practitioners giving practical stuff.
1: And it is practical. Like, I'm just looking at, um, I've got it in front of me. And, um, you know, it's funny because I, I think about books out there that, you know, there's a couple like Planning Missional Churches by Stetzer. That's a, that's a staple. You should get that book. Um, Center Church by Tim Keller. You should get that book. And, you know, these are the books, um, JD Payne's book. Um, the, these, these are books that are used as textbooks. I don't know if people use this book in seminary classes, um, church planning classes, courses, but they should. This is one of those books that deserves, um, to be in that. But, but what's cool about this is, you know, I did not know the story. That it was, you know, originally with people coming over short-term missions and stuff, that that was really just taking the average, you know, stay-at-home mom or high school kid or whatever, like the average believer, like, let's, let's disciple them into missionaries. I didn't know that backstory, so that's rad. But cool. if, if I look at this, so, uh, I'm on page 192 here, uh, missiologists call them tribes. Uh, he's talking about cliques. And they're everywhere. People are social beings, and uh, social circles provide us with a sense of identity. Apart from these social circle circles, we tend to lose a sense of who we are. And then um, in the homework, because there's a lot of homework and assignments, um, this is something that you can walk through and disciple people in a group format. And you, you'll talk more about that, I know, uh, Zach. Yeah. But check this out. I love this. Um, just because people talk about tribes, and it's a sociology term, um, look at how it's just taken very practical. It says describe a tribe you belong to now. Stay-at-home moms, mountain bikers, lawyers, etc. Think about how that tribe shapes and defines you. How do you identify yourself in terms of that tribe? How does a tribe shape you? What would change about you if you could no longer identify with that tribe? Like that's just a, a really cool way to introduce that to people, to get them to realize you're part of one. You just you know beginning to think like a missionary, to to observe these different rhythms of culture and society and, you know, in order to reach them. I, I just thought that was rad.
0: Yeah. I mean, in, in the world of missiological thought, we have found that there's kind of this hierarchy. You know, there's like, um, you know, the laity, which is kind of an offensive term, even, even in itself. It you is, really think yeah. you got the laity at the bottom. You've got the clergy on, you know, above them. They're the professionals. And then at the top of the of the pyramid you've got the missionary you've got it's the Navy seal Christian and and, and if you even want to parse it out further at the tip top is the martyr of the missionaries you know Ooh, the martyr missionaries that's and true. so those are the people that who can I mean they're the Pauls they're the ones who can really um, do missions um, compared to the rest of us normal Christians you know and, and what we're saying with this Workbook is, no, let's take all this rich missiological thought and training that exists in the world and let's boil it down and give it to every single Christian and let them take hold of it and begin to utilize it. And we'll see the kingdom explode just like we did in the New Testament as each person was empowered with the gospel.
1: I love that. I love that. And we know this, right? Like I wrote a book called Reaching the Unreached last year, and um in that book, the the real conclusion of that is that you know it's it's what Peter said on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit moves, he awakens the gifts of all flesh. I'll pour my Spirit on all flesh, and then he connects the evangelistic work of Pentecost, the empowering of the Spirit, to the awakening of the gifts. And when we look at Acts two forty two, that's all we're seeing is the gift of everyday believers, the giftings of every in action, right? None of that has to do with preaching. Clergy, quote unquote, um, leadership, that is body ministry transforming society to the point where when Paul comes down and lays the smack on Jerusalem, they go up to Antioch and churches are started naturally because their gifts are active, you know? And, uh, and, and that's, so to hear that is very, it's something that I'm a little later in coming to, I would say. You know, I came from a very strong, uh, kind of, um, first I was in Calvary Chapel, then I went reformed, then I went through all the reformed circles of, you know, it's like, you know, Geneva gown and I was at Lloyd Jones's church for Pete's sake, right? So for me, you know, it was like the preacher, you know, and, and, and so now coming into this, it was church planning that brought me back to this whole, um, kind of renaissance of the everyday believer and the power that's unleashed in every believer. So that is very, very cool. Um, so what do you guys, um, as you're looking at this, what's kind of been the approach to like, how would I, if I was a church planner and I had a core team and I want to take my core team through this stuff, like in other words, I'm like, hey, my my church needs to get ready for what's coming. How do I use this book as a tool? What does that look like on the ground? How have you seen people take this book and use it effectively? Are they meeting once a week? Are they doing it at home studies as a part of a core team training? How how do you see it used?
0: Sure. Yeah. There's so many different ways that you can go about using it. Um, it's robust enough that you actually don't have to have the original tradecraft book to go with it. Like It has enough content from Tradecraft in it already that Mm -hmm. it can stand alone. Um, And so you can go with it. Literally, it's laid out in a 12-week format, and it would be super intense, um, but it would be an amazing 12 weeks if you walk through it because it literally has activities and questions for every single day of those 12 weeks. And a person could go through it individually, getting out in their neighborhood, um i would feel like by the time that person got finished walking through those 12 weeks they would be kind of a missions ninja um comparatively <laughs> because they've been exposed to all the basic training that a missionary gets when they go overseas um you could also do it in a discipleship group where you're meeting once a week, once a month, you could do it over the course of the ye- of a year and kind of a ascending or church planning or missions school so to speak um you know i'm talking with churches all the time and trying to even develop in my own church, a, a school for thinking missionally and living um, out your um, sent identity, so to speak. And instead of trying to write stuff and, and I don't know, build it off from scratch, just pull in Tradecraft workbook and say, hey, if, if you're interested in being a missionary, if you're interested in being a church planter, um, instead of you, you know, uh, I know you want a chance to preach and I know you want me to You know, send you to Zimbabwe on a trip next summer. Um, why don't you take this, this workbook and work through it and then come back and talk to me? Mm, Tell me what kind of things you experienced in it. And so we're seeing discipleship groups using it, core teams using it, um, church members who are just passionate and interested in missions using it, um, personal study, families using it. I mean, (laughs) Caleb Kreider all the time when I talk to him, he's talking about how him and his family are out in their city um, doing the missionary skills of tradecraft. They're teaching Mm. their kids how to interpret culture. You know, hey, just Mm -hmm. because you grew up in America and you speak English, don't assume that you know the language and the culture of your neighborhood. Mm. Get out there, interpret the unique differences when you walk into the salon versus when you walk into the restaurant versus when you walk into your school and use that interpretation um, that natural um, scent way of thinking to right. begin to apply the gospel uniquely to those settings and to those people
1: That's good. I like that just because you speak the language don't don't assume that you understand the neighborhood and the culture of the neighborhood. That's really good. I think that uh having planted on a couple different continents, um, and in different churches in the on those continents, different different cultures, different cities, different, you know, rural, urban, um, suburban, uh, industrial, you know, steel working town. Like these are all cities that have been a part of, of church planning and just in Europe, they're all different. And they all had their own pitfalls. And I think when you begin to think, like you said, it's kind of like you begin to, kind of like Neo on the Matrix. You start seeing the Matrix code, you know, like he does at the end when he sees the green Dooley Bobs floating down, you know, he, he sees the code. And I yeah. think if you're able to go into a neighborhood, um, there are there is a way in which being able to think like a missionary makes you see in that code. And I think once you do that as well, it also, it, it helps you examine, like kind of be detached from culture mm-hmm. as an observer before you're a participant. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, I notice, I don't know if you know this about missionaries, if you've noticed this, when missionaries get off the field, somehow they stay relevant. Have you ever mm-hmm. noticed that? You never see missionaries. Like they're just like well, back in my day, you know, we're clinging to the pipe organ, or you know, one day we'll be clinging to our things, I guess. But once you begin to think in this way, you kind of stay culturally relevant, despite you asked me today how is how is doing when we got on this call. And I said trying to stay cool despite being old, you know. And and these that's what these guys do, man. They 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 stay relevant to the culture because they have just learned to think and analyze every bit of culture and they they I think doing that helps you understand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so it's not complicated stuff. I mean, uh one of the things that we talk about all the time is like be an interesting person. You <laughs> don't be a don't be a dull boring person who <laughs> only lives in Christian subculture like have interests and go out and meet people who have those same interests and embody the gospel to them and develop relationships and so things things like that are what's rooted in tradecraft and it's really compelled us you know we we started with 9 but it isn't like those are like the the 9 we uh, we're kind of in the process of working on um, tradecraft 2.0 And and the question that we wrestled with then was, okay, is 2.0 then like the more advanced skills? And it's like, well, no, that goes against the whole premise of of the book and and of Upstream. Tradecraft 2.0 is nine more skills to add to basic discipleship. Stuff like reproducibility. And this is so, so hard for us as Americans, but how can you... Disciple someone in such a way, teach someone in such a way that they are able to reproduce what you taught them. Mm. You know, so instead of giving them a a two hour lecture, um, give them a story from the New Testament and expect them to be able to then relay that story back to you. You know, some of that's almost like orality. Um, Some other some of those other tradecraft that we're thinking through are just as simple just as simple as that. And, uh, there, there's many of them. Um, I think, I feel like what you're getting at is we're empowering people. And this is kind of a tagline of upstream, how to think and act like a missionary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not like we want you to become dependent on upstream to feed you more and more content. No, it's like, once you begin to think this way, like a missionary, like it really is like the Matrix. It brings out a whole new realm of life, a new now, color. No, is that your tagline?
1: To think and act like a missionary.
0: It, it was the original tagline of Upstream: How to Think and Act Like a Missionary. What's Our tagline is helping churches send locally and globally. Oh, cool, man! Awesome.
1: Well, you know, along those lines, one of the questions that keeps coming up to me, um, because I challenge church plants right away let me let me just first before before i go that way let me just build off something you said first number 1 you you mentioned you know, the reproducibility and how tough that is. I have to say, you know, I bottlenecked at a certain point as a church planner where here I was apostolically planting, reproducing, leaving people behind. And what I did is I reproduced church planners. And I think like Paul, you learn as you go, right? Well, you can see Paul's trajectory is learning curve on his first, second, third missionary journey and why he switches up his tactics a bit. But with, with Paul. Um, well, with me anyways, I, I kind of felt like I'm reproducing church planners around me. But when I go, they don't reproduce church planners. They're mm-hmm. not training the next generation of church planners. They're like, Hey, thanks for showing me how to plan a church. And boom, that was it. Wow. And so as I'm kind of now, now for me, it's like, how do I, it, it, the, the, the way that people, I guess, couch this discussion outside of the context of church planning is not just making disciples, but making disciple makers, right? Which yeah. is kind of, we, we were talking about exponential, their theme this year is hero maker. That's what it is. It's you're not just making heroes, you're making hero makers, right? Um, and, and so that becomes that be that, that was my own bottleneck, but. One of the things that, that I try to get people to think about, and the, the book deals with this, week three, day one, following the Spirit, um, I keep hearing this question from church planners who are saying, hey, we're just getting started. Um, we want to think globally, but we don't know um, how to. We don't know where to begin. We don't know, you know, h- how do we pick where we're going to, you know, is it Thailand? Is it South America? Is it Canada? is everyone knows they need it and uh is it um Europe is it you know uh so so that's the question so on this week week 3 day 1 it's got this imagine yourself as a leader in a newly planted church everyone listening's gone that's me you have a small core group some of you have been expressing interest in global mission now you and the rest of the leadership are faced with many questions where will we go who will go how will we pay what will we do once we're there these questions don't even begin to scratch the circus, surface of the deep and difficult questions you'll face. And what I love is then you've got some things to help them work through it. And then on the next page, you've got, okay, there's the first question you got to answer. And so you start looking at different strategies, how people target. And you've just got like six of them listed here. Focus on the 1040 window. Focus on the least reach peoples. Focus on large urban center. Like all these have their, um, their strategy and you and I were talking, I was saying that, that really tradecraft is almost like a missiology degree distilled into a book. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is some huge stuff right here. Like if yeah. you study missions at all, just having this, you know, invest in local church planners or pastors, invest in near culture church planners, but like all of these are big deals. You know, are you burning for a particular place? You know, are you burdened for a particular, uh, problem? You know, I mean, it, it's, It's cool, man. I'm just I'm a fan. So
0: Yeah, thanks. And that's kind of where our bread and butter is right now as an organization. We really started focused on building every individual Christian as a sent one. And now we've kind of blossomed that into building every church that we encounter into a sending church, a church that knows how to proactively cultivate a culture of mission across the church rather than react to all the urges and needs and requests that are going to come their way. Hey, can, we, can you pay for me to go here to do this mission? Hey, can we be involved in this organization over here? Hey, we should be about orphan care over here. And so church leaders in the midst of all the busyness already going on, they're just reacting rather than knowing how to get on top of um, building not a program, not a ministry, Some of these, you know, weird people who enjoy cross-cultural ministry go over here to the silo and you would go take trips and do your thing. No, no, no. A culture of mission that says theologically from the the very core of who we are as a church, from the pulpit, from our membership class, from our doctrine, like our identity um, is we are sons and daughters of a sending God. Therefore, we are little sent ones. That changes the game. It's no longer um, guilt-induced mission. Like, hey, out there, don't you care? Mm -hmm. Which doesn't motivate anyone for very long. Um, And it's not gospel-oriented, but instead is rooted in the character of who God is and the nature of who we are, um, you know, recreated in Christ.
1: Yeah, that's so good, man. And, you know, it all comes back to that. Anyways, I think those of us that geek out on mission often, we are gospel people anyways, because that's mm. probably what got us there, you know? Yeah. Um, rooted in the grace, rooted in the gospel, and just blown away by the whole thing. Well, man, we're out of time. Um We are, since you quoted just then a very Michael Frost-esque Statement, we are sons and daughters. I've, I've heard him say, I don't know if he originated that or if, uh, if that's just something he said and you guys are both just great minds or if he's quoting someone that you're quoting, but, uh, now you, you dropped yourself in it, brother, because the <laughs> end question of every podcast is involving a fist fight. We always uh, pair a guest against someone else and in Kristen. I didn't know this. Yeah. So if you and Michael Frost were to get into a physical uh, fist fight, who would win?
0: Okay. So you cut out there. All I heard was you get in a fist fight. Who would I win? cut out? Yeah.
1: That might have been providential because this is not fair. Um, okay. If you and Michael Frost were to get into a physical fist fight, who would win?
0: Hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know how I'm measured up with him stature wise. He's kind of uh, a beast. Okay. I've so got to be quick. Some, I, I'm, I am quick, you know, I was a point guard and I've got, <laughs> you know, I've got the youthfulness on him. I feel you like do. I'm out is, um, and I've got some angst, man. Upstream has got a lot of angst Yeah, and. And sometimes we feel like that, uh, you know, Michael Frost has maybe taken some of our stuff and 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 used it, like quoted, you
1: know? like Sons and Daughters. Yeah, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe we've done that to him, but you know, you no. know, when you're past no, about it's your been stuff, no, the other way around. Like, hey, I think you took our stuff. So yeah, man. I think I could take him.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, you got to watch out for these university professors, you know, because uh, they read a lot. You know, they're like, oh, tradecraft, that's good. I'm gonna use that. But uh all right, I no, like it. No. So you'd be like, hey dude, we're gonna settle this now with our fists, right? That's Who right. took whose stuff, and it's going down right now, underground, in the ring, boom, ding ding, and the winner is you're gonna take him.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it. I would pretend I would pretend to hand him a free copy of the tradecraft workbook, and then I would hit him over the head oh, with ah. it because it's ten pounds, it would it would totally do the trick.
1: Hey. Hey, the bigger they are, the bigger harder they, they, are they are fall. That's your motto. <laughs> that's your <laughs> motto. That's what yeah, you are going you're for mean. I dig <laughs> it. We need to give you a um uh you know kind of a uh a, a a name like like a boxer name like uh Rocky, you know, the Italian stone Balboa. You need like Zach Mac the knife Bradley, you know, like you don't see him coming, you know. That's right. All right, catch you. Well, Cool. You know what? That's, uh, and by the way, that has no reason or connection to anything we do on this podcast. But if you're new to this, we do this every episode with every guest. So, uh, we, I almost made someone who is a, an author with NavPress recently fight Eugene Peterson and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. They're both with NavPress, but I just knew no one will fight him. Right. We, we all, so I had to get throw another, another NavPress author at him to stand up against, but hey, Guys, our guest today has been Zach Bradley from Upstream Correct- Collective. Um, Zach, besides uh, going to the Upstream Collective website, is there anything else that you want to point them to today? Is there a tradecraft website or anything else other than just you can pick the book on, up on Amazon as well? Where would you want to send people?
0: All our books are on Amazon, and we run everything through our website, theupstreamcollective.org. So there's really nowhere else to go. Perfect.
1: All right. You heard it, upstreamcollective.org. Again, guest has been Zach Bradley, content director for Upstream Collective, and this has been Hardcore Church Planning. Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by The Church Planner Podcast and The Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.